Welcome to the Holistic Business Podcast, where healers, makers, mystics, and other weirdos who don't quite fit the mold learn how to grow businesses that sustain them and their communities without working all the damn time or feeling like they're selling out. I'm your host, Sarah M. Chapel, and as the founder of the Holistic Business Academy, I've helped thousands of small business owners just like you to grow supportive, holistic businesses. Now, it's your turn. So it's no secret that I love memberships. Uh, it wasn't until I started mine almost three years ago that I like finally felt <laughs> like I had unlocked an offer that actually let me deeply serve our clients without sacrificing myself on the altar of productivity. Uh, memberships create immense value by scaling coaching, education, and community, allowing your audience to pay a lower rate than working with you privately while still being able to have a transformative experience. Um, but all memberships are not created equal. And in the past couple of years, I've seen, um, I've seen that firsthand with our clients, um, those who I helped in my old program, the launch incubator, the people inside our membership program itself. And of course our students now inside of our membership accelerator program, which is our year long intensive to help you create, grow, scale a membership without burning out. It's not uncommon for membership creators to end up burnt out, overwhelmed, and feeling completely trapped by a hell of their own making. This is something that is really common in this business model that people don't talk about. And I'm especially concerned about this as we continue through an economically uncertain season uh, where businesses are going to be encouraged and already are, I'm already seeing this happening, to urgently add lower cost offers in the hopes of keeping their customers who are feeling impacted by inflation. I'm generally not a big fan of giant moves without thinking about them, um, even though we can be really agile and responsive as small businesses, which is a huge benefit. Um, something like creating a membership without careful thought can easily lead to a product that is unsustainable and unprofitable. Um, and that recreates the worst parts of like a Patreon style tip jar model that extracts creativity in exchange for pennies. And if you haven't heard me talk about the challenges of Patreon, both as a platform, like the software itself, and as a business model, definitely make sure to listen to episode 176 after you listen here, um, which is called why I hate Patreon. And you'll hear all about why I find that platform. And in particular, the relationship that it is creating between creative and knowledge work and money um, to be a really big challenge for business owners. But here's the deal. It doesn't actually have to be that way. A successful membership is one that takes your needs into account while still providing massive value to your members. And if you're running a membership that's like running you into the ground, <laughs> chances are you've fallen into some common traps. Before we go any further, I just got to be upfront with you. If you're watching this video, you'll see it. I am not showered. I'm kind of sweaty. I'm really tired. <laughs> I wrote 4,000 words earlier this week for our membership accelerator clients about hiring and ethical hiring processes. And um, I'm just a little bit brain fried. I don't really have a whole bunch of focus. So this episode is going to be just a little bit more loose than some of our other recent ones. I just couldn't quite get it together to plan it all out. So if you're a fan of our older episodes that included a little bit more Sarah rambling, you'll like this one. If you're not, Sorry about it, but this is how I was able to show up today. So let's look at these primary challenges that I see in the membership market, and especially with clients who are considering starting memberships. Um, maybe you've had one in the past and it didn't work and you are like really frustrated and scared to try again. You might see yourself here. And then those of you who already have a membership, but you're running into some problems, I think this is going to be really helpful to know that you are actually in 
a really normal situation and that it doesn't have to be this way. I would be remiss not to mention that part of the reason that I'm so clear on this is because of course I've made some of these mistakes, but also through our membership accelerator program and the other clients I've worked with in the past several years, especially in one-on-one coaching where I've worked with several um, high-level membership site owners um, and help them to develop their programs, that these are things that people often don't want to talk about when it comes to memberships because they sound really scary. But they are things that can be solved generally with clear planning and a willingness to, frankly, have been wrong and to make changes. And that can be challenging in business to admit that we've set something up that doesn't work for us. Often we fall into our sunk cost fallacy. Oh, I've put so much in, I can't possibly make this change. Or something I hear a lot is, oh, if I make this change, my clients will be mad. Like all of that is valid, um, but it's not necessarily the only truth. So if you see yourself in this, it's okay. Um, it's normal. And also we can do something differently. So the biggest issue that I see when people set up a membership site um, is that you're doing too much. <laughs> this is the biggest issue is just offering too much. A membership will not work if you are constantly having to take actions that exhaust you. Um, somebody actually commented on Instagram just the other day saying that they have a membership and they're burnt out because they are creating new content every week. Oh my God, y'all, that sounds like my fucking nightmare. I'm not going to lie. That sounds really horrific. Some of you love creating content all the time. Some of you are really prolific writers, really prolific podcasters, prolific video makers. Like that's something you're really good at. You can sit down and just like make content all day forever. And it like makes you super happy. But for a lot of folks, that's not sustainable, especially over the long term. doing something that is actually meaningful on a weekly basis for paid customers in that way is a, an extremely high cognitive lift. Um, and especially when you're starting a membership and chances are you're working by yourself, or maybe you have someone working part-time helping you with customer support or maybe community management, you're still going to be doing all of that labor though. Um, for most of you, you're probably not going to be hiring assistant coaches or other people who can help you with like content creation and curriculum until down the road. Um, even those of you who have like, you know, very sustainable multiple six figure businesses, you're still probably doing those things because those are the things that made your business in the first place, right? It's your experience. It's your expertise that is allowing you to have the membership anyway. That's going to be one of the last things probably that you hire help for because it's the thing that you're best at, right? It's not going to be the top of the list for bringing in support. So if you have a membership then where you're doing too much, then you're, you're fucked, right? Like you are, there's no, it's not scalable. Um, anything that is dependent on your time and your energy is inherently not scalable. I've talked about what scalability means before. This word is often confused. Scalability is not just making more money. That's just growth. That's just revenue growth. Um, that's just growing a business that, that making more money is not scalability. Scalability is decoupling your time from that money, right? So that the money you're making is actually based off of leveraged assets where your time, one unit of time can equal 10, 20, 30 units of money. This is different than a one-on-one -on -one model where if you do one hour of work with somebody, right? Somebody books a tarot reading with you, someone books a coaching session with you, or someone buys something from you that has like a fixed cost to make, right? You I don't know, like make a weaving or something that you get the one hour's worth, one unit's worth of pay for that, right? Something that is scalable means that you do a piece of work, but that it can be multiplied in terms of the revenue possibilities. Um, so that that's what we're talking about here. And a membership is an eminently scalable business model. It is specifically designed as are 
basically all online education, business models, courses, memberships, coaching, um, which I think honestly are all better off as memberships because then you get recurring revenue. That's maybe a conversation for another day, but that that is, is designed to be scalable. But the first trap that people fall into, especially if you are transitioning from having a successful one-on-one business, um, where you've been booked out, or maybe you have like private coaching packages you're selling, or you're a really successful tarot reader or spiritual mentor, and you're working with people one-on-one is that you still are thinking of your work in that one-on-one and not scalable model. And often what happens is that you are actually uncomfortable working less for the amount of money you're making. There's often a, an underlying, it can be a combination of belief, but it's also habit. Um, and there can be a bunch of other things sprinkled in based on your personal experience and how who you are in the world impacts um, your access to different kinds of knowledge and experiences and what you've been uh, told you can and can't do, for example. But often there is some underlying piece where we feel uncomfortable not working harder for that money. So what happens is that we often overcompensate when we create the membership and put too much in it because it sounds too easy. (laughs) It sounds like it's too easy to, for example, make a small course, um, put it inside a membership program so people who want to keep accessing it just have to keep paying, right? They don't own access to the course. There, there's a lot of reasons to do that. Um, maybe I'll make a note and try and talk about that at the end. Again, this one's a little rambly. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) This is what you get. Um, but like that making a course and being able to keep making money off of it often feels a little bit weird if you're used to trading your time for money, right? But a membership isn't going to work if you if your primary thing is trading time for money. It's not scalable. So making content, new content every single week, for example, not scalable. Also, to be honest, probably not great for your clients. That is probably too much for them to consume. It's probably not going to actually get them the transformation they want. It's going to keep them in learning mode and in receptive mode instead of being... Um, really kind of like the, the subject of their, to use a, that's a Paulo Freire, um, to the subject of their own, like learning and development, their own, like, it's not going to develop their agency if all they're doing is just consuming content from you. Um, and that's when people start to feel behind. We'll talk about that in a second. So doing that all the time, something else I see people do, for example, is feel like they need to do like weekly coaching calls when they actually don't like weekly calls or having stuff on their calendar when they hate having things on their calendar. There's so many different things that you are probably putting into your membership because you think you have to that you don't actually like doing. I've talked about this before, but there's a very clear reason why the Holistic Business Academy is set up the way it is. And I often see people copy my business model and copy that setup without understanding why I made those choices. This is why inside our membership accelerator program, like we help you make the choices that you want because like you're not me, like my membership and the way I do it probably isn't going to work for you. I like live calls. I like them a lot. So that is the primary promise of my membership is that you get access to coaching calls, right? You get access to calls with me. You also now get access to calls with our team, right? We have a brilliant team with a lot of experience and who also have experience within our company, but who have like external experience who now you can get even more like feedback from, right? It's not just me, but I really value that personally. It's also something that me with my mental health and chronic health issues, I can usually show up for a live call. I think I have actually canceled one or I have missed one membership call in the past three years or almost three years, just one. And it was just a few weeks ago. Um, I've been able to make those that works for me. If you don't like live calls on your calendar, And if that like is exhausting for you or it's draining or it's not fun, like that shouldn't be your thing. (laughs) 
So you're probably doing too much and you're probably doing a lot of stuff that you don't like. The reality is that doing more in your membership is not actually going to help your clients. They um, are already busy and overwhelmed and what they need from you is actually a clear pathway to achieve the goals that they desire. And when you're making a decision about what to include in your membership, if you can't justify it as being necessary for the result that they are trying to get, it's not going to happen. I'll add under this one as a caveat because it usually is one of the reasons that you are doing too much. People start memberships because they think it'll be cool to have all their stuff in one place. Um, That's just like a collection of stuff and no one cares. Um, A membership is actually a program. It is a development program. It is people paying in order to learn or experience something. That's one of the reasons I mentioned the Patreon thing earlier. Patreon has created this idea that just like throwing up blog posts is somehow a transformative process. Um, I mean, writing definitely is, and I'm a writer myself, so like definitely no, no shade on our writers here. But in order to command a price and a level of customer retention that's going to actually help to support you financially. Thinking of a membership as an educational community and realizing that your job is to create a process that helps people to change their lives on whatever your topic is, whatever the outcome is that they're trying to achieve, that's absolutely critical. Um, A membership is not the same as a tip jar. And tip jars are fine. Um, That model is fine if what you want is for people to give you money so that you can keep writing, like to be like a quote patron, (laughs) which cool, that's fine. That's not a membership. That is not even really a subscription. So we want to differentiate between these things because when people start membership communities, but they have this kind of tip jar idea in their brain, what they're doing is putting all of their content in one place and just hoping that by having a bunch of stuff, people will find it valuable. They will not. They will not find it valuable unless there is actually a pathway for them to grow and change and to notice that they are growing and changing. That's what's going to make it valuable for them. That's one of the reasons we often see too many things included is because there's no clarity about the transformation of the program and what the goals are. It just becomes a place to like house all of your shit. Um, And like, yeah, you can do that, but it's not going to be a transformative membership and it's going to be hard to charge appropriately for it. And chances are you're going to get stuck just making a bunch of content to try to keep people happy and try to keep them to stay. So the second issue we run into a lot is this idea that you don't have a sustainable sales system. So many membership site owners are doing one of two things. One is that they're never promoting their membership. (laughs) Like this is so common. People really, um, this is common with sales in general. I've seen it for years, especially working with starting business owners, but I see it with more established business owners as well, especially those of you who are like just used to being sought out. Like if if you've reached a point in your business where like you're not really doing lead generation, people are finding you, everything's coming through referral. You've really gotten used to not having to sell in quite the same way. Um, when you add a membership in something that's designed to have dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of people in it for it to be financially effective and lucrative, um, you're going to have to learn to sell. You're going to have to do it sustainably. So not having a sustainable sales system, there's usually a couple red flags. One is that you never talk about your membership. You never promote it. You never launch it. You're never doing anything about it. Um, it's just like available on your website and you think that people are just going to like magically join. You might get like, I don't know. It depends on your audience size, like a couple people a month, like People, um, we often see very successful uh, people with very large audiences do that, just have stuff available for sale on their website. Um, That works because they have really large audiences. Their conversion rates are probably super low. If you have a million followers, you don't really need that many, like a large percentage to buy things in order to have a successful business. If your followers are fewer than that, you need higher conversion rates. 
So just having stuff there and hoping that people click is not going to be effective. Um, this is kind of part and parcel with another challenge I see, whereas if people have like kind of half-assed sales pages that are just like, join my membership, memberships are cool. And like, that's it. Again, people need help making buying decisions. We've talked about this at length in other episodes, um, but just having something on your website that's like, I have a membership, like no one cares. Like, why should they care about your membership? Your job is to help them understand why they should care, to help them see how it's going to help them get the thing that they want, help them have the experience that they desire, help them get that result, right? Your job is to draw those lines so they are explicit. Um, being passive in a sales page or just hoping people like click on something and decide to buy, um, it's also irresponsible. Like you're asking your customers to do a huge amount of work to figure out whether or not something is for them when like, you can literally just tell them. You can just let them know. Um, also, what we start to see is people doing a huge number of live launches. Um, so much so that they're burning out. So they're like doing a big live launch of their membership like every single month or something. This tells me that your sales system probably isn't sustainable because you are, and we'll talk about this in a second, you're probably having to replace customers that are leaving really fast. That's one of the reasons you're doing this so much. Your launches themselves are probably not very effective because you're not getting enough customers in a launch to tide you over for a longer period of time. This also tells me you probably don't have an evergreen funnel. You probably don't have a way for people to go through a facilitated sales experience in between launches. The idea that live launches mean that you have to like do an open close, like your like registrations only open during a live launch. That's not really true anymore. And we do a lot of systems both internally, but also with our clients where like you can actually join the membership year round, but the live launch is the period where like you just get a lot of extra support and access about making that decision, right? There's probably a live webinar, there um, are live Q and A, like we always love to do like the live Instagram lives with our clients. You can hear from our clients directly and ask them questions, like stuff like that. But in between live launches, you can definitely go through our evergreen funnel and watch our recorded webinar and make that decision. Um, so if you're doing a lot of live launches, that tells me you probably don't have an evergreen funnel or if you do, it's not working, right? We actually really love having this kind of like gentle ebb and flow between live launches, evergreen funnel, and also partner campaigns so that you constantly have new members coming, but they're coming from different perspectives. And they're also coming without you having to put out the same amount of labor every single time. Um, doing a partner campaign for you is going to be way less work. Uh, evergreen funnel, once it's set up and running is like zero work, except maybe managing ads. If you're going to do that and your live launches then become like the big event a few times a year for most of the people, like three times, maybe, maybe four, uh, for a membership, if it's your primary offer is a good way to go. So if you don't have a sustainable sales system, the way you know that is because you don't have sustainable sales. This is really critical to get your membership to a place where it's actually lucrative and is actually supporting you and able to grow. Often people get really hyper-focused again on like creating all that content inside the membership. We of course wanna keep our existing members happy and supported and make sure they're getting what they're paying for, but you also need to bring in new members. Part of a membership is that people will leave. That is actually one of the kind of core agreements of a membership is that people are allowed to leave. So you will need to get new customers. Um, that only happens with a sales system and just like throwing things against the wall and hoping that they're going to stick when it comes to membership sales, it's not going to work. Even the people who have huge audiences, again, their conversion rates are so low when they don't have these systems. So that's a key piece just to audit for yourself, 
Do you have a sales system? Do you have a sales plan? Do you know how you're going to keep acquiring new customers for this? It's not the same as selling like one-on-one work. You will get referrals, but getting referrals at scale is really challenging. Um, it's not like, yeah, somebody sends you someone for one-on-one coaching and you book a, I don't know, a 2000 or $5,000 coaching package or something. It's not like that. So the sales system piece is really critical. The third thing that we see become a major issue is that you don't have a customer retention plan. This means you have a leaky bucket in your membership. People are leaving faster than you can replace them. The um, industry term for this is churn, and it is the, the revolving door of the membership, right? The percentage of people leaving during a given time is the churn. Um, there are healthy metrics for churn for different kinds of programs, for essentially the kinds of knowledge and education and community-based programs I'm talking about, um, less than 10% per month is ideal. And this is really critical because if you don't have a customer retention plan, you're definitely going to end up back in the you're doing too much and you're going to end up in that like sales scramble rather than sales system because you're going to start losing money. Um, This is like the dirty thing that I think, dirty the dirty secret, like no one wants to talk about churn. No one wants to address churn. It's something where I think I see folks like teach about memberships and not really want to acknowledge that this is like a real thing that you have to pay attention to. Memberships are one of the more simple business models, but they're also more complex in the sense that you do have these different metrics that you need to pay attention to. So a customer retention plan starts at the beginning. Um, You have to onboard your customers into your membership in a way that they understand how to use it effectively and get what they are looking for out of it. Um, This can be a simple onboarding email. If you have a higher priced membership where it makes sense, you can actually do a call for new members, um, whether that's like a small group call or a personal onboarding call. I want to be with a real caveat, like that should be a membership that's like several hundred thousand, I mean, yeah, several hundred dollars a month to do something like that. Just to be clear, I can see some of you being like, I charge $27 a month. I'm going to do personal onboarding calls. Please don't do that. (laughs) That is not scalable. Um, And our membership, we have um, an email onboarding sequence, right? You have to do something. Retention starts as soon as the customer purchases. So this is where we start to think about user experience. We think about um, helping the customer know how to navigate your membership Those become friction points for customers where people can't find things. They don't know how to log in. They aren't getting the emails. Like there's all these little things that can happen in a scalable program that you need to plan for. And some of them you won't be able to plan for. You will discover the problems as you do them. That's extremely common. One of the reasons why in our membership accelerator program, we teach people to do a beta version of their memberships, a test version, if you will, where the clients know they're in a test version. They're paying, but they're usually paying a bit of a lower rate and they're giving that feedback So you can iron out these kinks because you won't know all the issues until they happen, especially if you um, are using a membership software where you're building on your own website. So like it's much easier to kind of have holes in the program, like things that made sense to you on your website but didn't. Don't for other people. Actually, Ward Sandler, member uh, space, talked about this in our last episode a little bit about having his parents user test anything on his site, Um, because just because it makes sense to you doesn't mean it makes sense to them. So the customer retention starts from the beginning with onboarding. If you do not have a way to onboard people, chances are you are starting to lose customers really, really fast. We need some way to make sure people know how to use the membership, how to find everything and how to get the support that they are paying for, how to ask questions, um, where they're supposed to post things, et cetera. Okay. 
Um, customer retention also speaks to the, you're doing too much, right? If your membership is starting to overwhelm people, if they feel like they are falling behind, if they feel like they aren't making use of it, they will leave. Um, that's especially true right now, um, in this kind of unstable economic environment, memberships that are not able to get people results quickly and get people kind of stuck into the habits of the membership quickly. They're going to be the things that people cut fastest when it comes to reprioritizing their budget. So, um, we need to make sure that the actual content of the membership, the way that it is designed um, I don't necessarily mean visually, though that's sure, but also in terms of how the content, how the support is designed. Um, again, this idea of is there a pathway? Is there a way to see that they're getting progress in the membership? Those things are a huge part of customer retention. Um, and without them, people will start to leave because they're going to feel like they're wasting their money. They're going to feel like they aren't getting results. They're going to feel like they're overwhelmed, like they don't have enough time. These are extremely common challenges with anything, but especially, frankly, adult education, right? Everyone's busy. <laughs> they have responsibilities. They've got bills to pay. Um, so this is an important thing to start to think about is how can you make sure that your customers effectively are using the tools, they're getting introduced to the tools, they're getting introduced to the programs, and they're getting help. And how can you do that at scale, right? Again, you can't personally walk through every customer through how to use your program um, unless your program is a really high touch membership, right? Again, like a couple hundred bucks or up to like maybe a thousand dollars a month, like for some business memberships, right? If you have that kind of membership where it's going to make sense to have that really intimate, high touch support, cool, you can do that. But if you have a lower cost membership, which is a lot of what we work with is that like sub hundred dollar a month membership, $30, $40, $50, it's not sustainable to do that one-on-one -on -one high touch onboarding and retention. So we have to make sure that we are building systems, both in terms of how the membership is designed um, in terms of the information itself, but also how it is laid out on the internet and also how people are informed about how to use it, that all of that is taken care of. The final piece with customer retention is making sure that you actually have a proper offboarding experience as well. People's payments will fail. This is extremely common. This is probably like the number one um, email support thing that we deal with. That would be my guess is payments failing. People payments fail. People want to cancel, but like for a short period of time, like there's all sorts of kind of like these different, different permutations. You need to have a process that helps people to resubscribe or to fix their credit cards if they do decide to leave to help them know that they can come back and remind them of what they'll get if they come back and essentially creating this positive experience as people leave um, or when their cards do fail or they need to update something. So it's really easy for them, but they also are seeing the value and care that goes into their membership and how much you care about them having a good experience. So customer offboarding is also important. Um, this is also where you can collect information in terms of feedback when people leave. Um, we have a whole feedback process that we use where people um, can fill out a form and tell us about why they left and, and what their wins were and what their challenges were. Some of it, and I've talked about this before on the show, not all feedback is valid in the sense that it's not all useful for you. It's valid if it's somebody's experience, but you know, often we get feedback that goes beyond the scope of the program. Um, or people wanting things that are hard boundaries that I will not do, for example, right? They're like, oh, I wish this program was different. Okay, well, I have to take that with a grain of salt, right? Um, but often you will start to see trends, right? That people are having certain specific challenges, that certain things were confusing. 
So part of customer retention is being willing to ask for feedback and to figure out uh, what improvements you can make to help customers stay longer. The final challenge that I run into um, and I see our clients running into is that the membership doesn't actually integrate with the rest of your business. So when we are small business owners, um, and I'm going to, I think this is really true for any kind of creator, coach, healer, knowledge worker style business. Most of us are not going to make our money from one offer alone. It's extremely uncommon in this kind of model, though it's often what is sold. Um, I see a lot of people in like the online course space, like acting like, oh, just like have a signature course and then you'll make a lot of money. That's really not true. Most of us are going to have multiple revenue streams. And that really comes down to um, what I talked about with a sustainable sales system, which is that we just don't have an audience reach where we can have enough people in one offer generally to make enough money. Sometimes you can. And I've had times in my business where the our HBA membership actually did totally cover all of our payroll and all of our expenses. Um, but ultimately, I'm looking to grow the business a little bit bigger than it is now. So that wasn't going to be the only revenue stream. It happens it has to do with your goals, of course. But what happens is people create a membership as if it's just like some random thing um, and it's not integrated with the rest of the business model. By that sense, I mean that you have courses that like conflict with the membership and don't work together. Like there'd be no reason to join the membership if somebody had taken your course or vice versa. There's repetition between the two. Um, going back to the you're doing too much, often people just put their courses in their membership, but then they can still buy them separately. That's really confusing and you're losing on sales because there's no reason for members to buy the other programs or like the membership will be on one topic and then everything else is something completely different, right? So the membership starts to feel random. And again, when I see us kind of heading into this kind of present economic like situation, um, inflation and yeah, the inflationary pressures and the potential for recession, I know that there's going to be a lot of rhetoric around like just add a cheap membership. Like this is this is going to be the thing. I, I'm not on social media a whole bunch of, right now, so I'm not sure if the ads are already starting, but it's going to be the thing. I think a membership is an ideal thing for this economic moment because of that value that I talked about earlier. but. This piece of it being a random addition is something to really be careful about. Your membership must integrate not only with your like with your longer term plans, but with the present moment in your business. It doesn't have to be perfect right away, but a membership ideally will either be the top of your customer funnel, where as many people as possible go in. They join the membership and then they have the opportunity to upsell into other programs, whether those are more intensive programs, whether that is your one-on-one -on -one work, et cetera. Membership can also be on the back end of another program as a way for people to keep working with you. So if you have like an eight-week um, intensive program, then they can go to the membership after to keep getting support. Um, you can also do really high-level memberships that are essentially kind of masterminds, mentorships, kind of like very intimate level community stuff, where it's actually, it is the top tier is your membership. And that works extremely well, but you have to have other ways to get people to a place where they're ready for that if you want to have enough customers for it probably consistently. So the key is that the membership has to actually answer a specific question. It needs a reason to exist beyond the fact that you want recurring revenue. You wanting recurring revenue is valid and is a great reason to think about a membership but it has to exist for your clients and it needs to fit into their journey. So there's a reason for it. And ideally it's going to fit in with the rest of your business, at least over time, where the membership is a place that either prepares people for deeper work with you 
Or is the place that they go after they've worked with you to keep getting support and growing their community and their skills? When we don't do this, this is when I start to see memberships fail a lot because it, it, it really does feel like a random appendage on a business um, because you feel like you're supposed to have one. A membership is a full-time business model. It is not something that is going to be a successful random appendage. It's not a one-off. Memberships do not grow overnight. They don't actually become very lucrative for probably, it really depends, but I'd say at least like six months. Um, most people who are kind of following the kind of stuff that we teach inside our membership accelerator program are going to have a pretty stable membership within a year if they take those actions. But like, it's not like your first membership launch is like probably not going to make you rich. I've seen it. We have clients who've had very, 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 very impressive first membership launches that maybe okay, didn't make them rich, but um, gave them a lot of financial security. But that's not really normal. Um, the average like first membership launch is going to give you enough money to do the next one and start to build it. And that's what we really believe in here at Holistic Business Academy is the sustainable growth. I'm not interested in the one and done. I'm not interested in the flash in the pan, right? We're interested in businesses that actually grow sustainably and so that you can have solid revenue, you can have that feeling of security and the psychological safety of a sustainable business and so that you won't burn out, right? It's really hard to go from zero to a totally booked out program. You probably won't have the systems for it. You won't have the help hired. It's possible, but I've also seen it lead to people like burning out and like breaking down really fast. So one of the reasons we like the membership is that slow build is the fact that you can immediately start getting revenue to support yourself and maybe make that first hire or invest in that piece of software. It's really easy to get started and it's going to take a bit of work to grow. So that's why we want to make sure it fits in with the rest of your business model. So you're not cannibalizing from other offers. So those clients have ways to spend more money with you um, if they want different kinds of support or they want to learn things beyond the scope of the membership. But essentially the membership needs a reason to exist outside of just your desire for it. And that's true of all good offers, right? All good offers are where your interests and your desires meet the needs and desires of your customers. And a successful membership is going to do just that. It's going to take your needs into account as well as the needs of your customers. So these four things, you're doing too much. <laughs> you don't have a sustainable sales system. You have no customer retention plan and your membership doesn't integrate with the rest of your business, right? It's a it's an appendage, just like a random uh, vestigial appendage. Um, these are really common challenges. And if you're running into them or you're afraid of them, you're like looking at the membership model and you're like starting to see, you're like, okay, there's some challenges here. Again, you're not alone. These are common um, and they are things that can be fixed, but they require a reimagining of what your membership is, what it's for, how you're going to provide it and how you're going to sustainably sell it alongside the rest of your products and do this in a way where you are, again, we're not looking for the flash in the plan. We're not looking for the one launch and done. We are looking for sustainable growth that is going to help you and your clients thrive. So I hope this list has been helpful to give you some ideas of that. If you want to know more, if you're like, okay, no, I really am ready to have a membership that actually works for me and my community. Great news. We are getting ready to reopen applications for our membership accelerator program. In this program, this is our year long intensive where we actually help you to design or redesign and then scale your membership sustainably without burning out, without falling into these traps. And we'll be opening applications for that in just a couple weeks. 
when you apply, if you are a good fit, that means that we think we can actually help you. We're not going to waste your time. If we think you're not at the right business stage or that the idea isn't a good fit, um, or isn't likely to be successful, we'll let you know. Um, and if you are a good fit and you're accepted, you'll be invited to come to a free private training where I will go over all of this in more depth and also show the math behind a successful business, um, and how you can actually generate the revenue you're looking for and the actions required to get there. And then you'll be able to learn more about our program as well. If you want to learn more, you can go to the show notes here. You can also uh, go to holisticbusinessacademy.com uh, and click the little button that says the waitlist for our membership accelerator. And we'll get you the waitlist and we'll let you know when registration is open to apply in a couple of weeks. But the too long didn't read of this rambly episode is this. Memberships are fantastic. They are lucrative. They create immense value for your customers while creating sustainability and it's like the psychological safety of recurring revenue for you so you can effectively scale. But they can be fucked up. <laughs> so make sure you think about it, that you are designing your membership carefully and that you have a plan for your success rather than just throwing something against the wall and hoping that it sticks. I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Holistic Business Podcast. Learn more about growing your holistic business by visiting us at holisticbusinessacademy.com. We'll see you next time.